This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, February 4th, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. A President Bernie Sanders would work to establish a national policy of rent control. The policy would be a disaster for tenants, landlords, housing stock, and would-be builders of new housing. Cato's Ryan Bourne explains. Well, Bernie Sanders' specific rent control proposal would, in essence, seek to limit the amount that landlords could raise rents. Um, year to year by one and a half times the rate of inflation or 3%, whichever is higher. Um, And that's an extremely restrictive price control in essence. Um, It would currently mean rent increases could only be around 3.5% per year. And that's a much more restrictive control than we've seen where rent control has been rolled out quite recently in California for, for older buildings and in Oregon. In Oregon, for example, the rent uh, increase caps of seven percent plus um, CPI inflation. So, in essence, what Sanders is trying to do here is really limit the increases in rents that landlords can make in any given year. He's applying this extraordinarily broadly. Usually, rent control legislation um, at least has some carve outs for um, newish buildings or um, landlords um, wanting to do particular. Uh, things in terms of improvements with the property. There are some exemptions around that, but this is probably the most restrictive national rent control plan that one could um, imagine. And I think the interesting thing is it's predicated on the idea really that at the moment landlords can set rents to whatever they want, whenever they want. Um, Bernie Sanders doesn't appear to believe that rents are a price that reflect the supply and demand of rentable accommodation in a market, he seems to think that high rents are evidence in and of themselves, or rents going up quickly is evidence in and of themselves, of landlords just being greedy and exhibiting market power over their tenants. What's really behind this? I mean, for one, I can't imagine that Bernie Sanders is not cognizant of supply and demand, but perhaps I'm naive. Um, Go ahead, tell me. Well, I think what he's really doing here is endorsing the kind of spate of new rent control laws that we've seen across states. Um, From the 1970s onwards, really, uh, states took active efforts to preclude against rent control uh, within cities. But due to housing market pressures, particularly in some of the coastal areas, there has been a push by campaigners, particularly left-wing activists, for new rent control laws. And really what they're about is trying to protect tenants against um, economic eviction. So rents going up very highly between one year and the next, forcing somebody to uh, move accommodation who otherwise wouldn't have wanted to move accommodation. So California, as I said, has already instituted a 5% plus inflation cap for rents um, exclusively targeted at older buildings. So to try and not discourage new rentable accommodation from coming on market. Oregon has applied a more broad ranging rent cap Um, but of 7% per year above the rate of inflation. So that would only really bind in really hot um, kind of urban um, markets um, where prices and rents are going up pretty significantly. New York has been looking at some proposals as well, but broadly I think what Bernie Sanders is about here politically is endorsing this, um, this range of new 
pressure for rent control we're seeing across the country and really encouraging left-wing activists to to go further and try and lobby for more uh, restrictive rent control proposals than we've already seen in Oregon and California. Uh, so stop me when I've got this wrong. The practical effects of this uh, will be uh, reduced construction uh, in high-demand areas, uh, a reduced level of maintenance on existing uh, rental properties, and perhaps uh, a move uh, into gray market or black market rentals, which is to say a rental that is not governed by any kind of contract to in order to avoid uh, the requirements of what Bernie Sanders is proposing. Yeah. So if we take a hot rental market where rents are going up, well, market rents would otherwise go up more quickly than this this three and a half percent cap that currently applied. We can think through, you know, what the immediate consequences would be, what the medium term consequences would be, and what the broader economic consequences could be. So once, um, if a landlord thinks that this kind of rent control is going to be applied, some may actually seek to front load rents today before the, the cap comes into law. So change the level of rent. So you might get that effect. But I think the more significant one is the one that you alluded to, which is if you reduce the probability, uh, profitability of um, rentable accommodation, then existing landlords will tend on the margin to try and find ways to convert their accommodation into forms um, which are outside of the controls. Now, whether that be condos or offices, it's not clear from the legislation that, that I've seen whether this would apply to Airbnb, uh, whether they use the property themselves for owner occupancy. I think on the margin, we'll see properties kind of taken out of the rentable accommodation market. But also, um, because the prices would be held below market prices and there's no mechanism in this rent control law for them to kind of readjust to market prices over time, I think you would see a, um, a fall in the capital investment in, in new rentable accommodation or buildings over time, and perhaps um, the, the kind of knocking down and replacing buildings with uses that weren't for rentable accommodation. So that supply of rentable accommodation will fall. Now, we shouldn't pretend here, of course, that some people wouldn't benefit from rent control. Um, existing tenants who don't want to move will benefit significantly over time in, in very hot markets if rents would have otherwise gone up pretty significantly. Um, but I think over time, from an economic perspective, that tends to create incentives for people to stay in accommodation that is otherwise probably the wrong size for them or in the wrong location for them. So suppose you get offered a new job uh, in another city, but the rent differential um, is, uh, sorry, the kind of price of, of paying for a mortgage or whatever in this new city is quite high. And you're locked into what is a, a rent controlled building that's now way below the market price of the rent that might discourage you from actively taking up the better job opportunity. So from a from a broader economic perspective, rent control tends to deter mobility and, and keep people in properties that otherwise aren't the best size or location for them. And of course, as you say, what one consequence of that is that in desirable jobs markets, you tend to get very extensive wait lists for properties. And uh, black market kind of bribes evolve whereby uh, existing tenants and landlords are kind of bribed to um, remove themselves from the property and then uh, to accept certain forms of, of tenants as well. 
Have other candidates jumped on this? It, it seems like he's sort of an outlier here. Yeah, I think he is an outlier on this specific issue. Um, and I think that all comes back to this starting point that he appears to be trying to make the argument that rents are sent by greedy landlords and not by supply and demand factors in markets. Now, I think you know, you'd be hard pressed to find anyone that doesn't think that housing markets are affected by the supply and demand on property. You only have to look at a recent demographia report, which showed that um, in certain cities like Rochester, New York, and Cleveland, Ohio, and Oklahoma City, um, median house prices tend to be between two and three times the median income for the city. Now, you look at other cities, and those ratios can be as high as um, eight or nine. Um, even in Seattle, Miami, and New York, they're above five, and that's deemed um, broadly deemed severely unaffordable. And if we accept that housing affordability varies so much by city, we shouldn't also be surprised that rents differ by locality and, and can be affected by income levels through land use and zoning laws. There's lots of evidence that all of these things affect both rents and house prices. And if you believe that to be true, it's a logical consequence that changes in rents also are affected by demand and supply factors. So one of the things that I did in a Cato uh, blog last week was actually look at which city, in which cities the rent control would have actually bound, i.e. where the rent control um, on average in a city would have been um, a, a applied and restricted rents from going up quite significantly. And, you know, if you look over the last two decades in places like San Francisco, um, the average rent increase was higher than Bernie Sanders's cap would have been retrospectively in 60% of years. In other very hot um, housing markets like Los Angeles, Seattle, Miami, similar. And in the areas where, um, where the rent control wouldn't have had much of an impact, St. Louis, Cleveland, uh, Milwaukee, um, it's pretty obvious that the dynamics of the housing market are very, very different to in those hot areas. So it's very difficult when you actually look at the evidence of how rents have changed in the past two decades to think that there's any value in uh, Bernie's claims that landlords can set rents whenever they want um, to whatever they want. And there's no reason to suspect that landlords are greedier in Miami than Milwaukee or Seattle than St. Louis. I think what all this evidence shows is that in reality, landlords have to set rents in accordance with the broad market conditions in their neighborhoods within cities. And that uh, means they have to take account of tenants' ability to pay and the availability of substitute properties. In, in other words, they have to take into account supply and demand. Um, and if you ignore that and then try and set price controls, you get all of those negative consequences that we've spoke about. Because if you set the price below the market price for a very long period of time, what you're going to get is a shortage relative to, to demand, and you're going to deter the bringing to market of new rentable accommodation. Ryan Bourne occupies the R. Evan Scharf Chair in the Public Understanding of Economics at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.